Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, fitness enthusiasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Redefining Fitness Podcast with SAS Factor Fitness. I'm your host, Sin Sass, a former competitive athlete turned fitness enthusiast and first responder, and I invite you to join me on a journey to rediscover and become our most authentic fit self. Here, you can explore new ways to reduce chronic pain, increase energy and strength, and improve your overall well-being so you can feel and look your best inside and out. Now, when we start talking about diet, a lot of times the first place that we go is to counting calories and macros, meaning, you know, grams of protein, carbohydrates, fats, and there's some good information there, and it's a good place to start. So if you haven't been paying attention to what you're consuming or, you know, you really need to get a handle on how you're fueling your body currently, macro and micronutrient counting is good uh, to track, right? So it's good for everyone, especially when you're restarting, it's good for everyone to track for a minimum of about, you know, a week or two, just to get a, a realistic understanding of what you're actually consuming. Because you, I... We, all of us, we tend to underestimate the intake of nutrients we're getting from sources we need less of, like fat and starchy carbs, and we overestimate the intake of nutrients we need to get more of, like protein, fiber, and certain vitamins and minerals. But again, this tracking, it's just for information to get us started so that we know where we're really starting from and not where we think we're starting from. So this is more of an information gathering uh, exercise than it is a method that we use to make change. So once we know what we're dealing with, we can make adjustments from there. And make adjustments, that's a good combination for you as an individual and not just the generalized approach to daily caloric intake and macronutrient breakdown. So the first thing we kind of need to do is just consider portion sizes because this is an easy start. In this country, we've become conditioned to the supersize more is better mentality about a whole lot of things and food's no different. And though we're getting better, we have a really, really long way to go. So we want to keep our portion sizes appropriate, but we don't want to get into, you know, doing a whole lot of food weighing. Unless you're competing at an elite level, weighing food isn't really necessary. And it's really not necessary for the type of change that we're talking about at the moment, right? We're talking about making small changes, changes that are easy to make, that don't materially upset our busy, 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 busy lives. And it doesn't upset our emotional and physiological set points. So we're trying to, you know, make some, make some changes. We already know that we're at capacity. And we don't want to do stuff that's going to derail us. So we want to make some little changes that seem almost imperceptible so they're easier to make and maintain in the beginning as we're building our physical, mental, and emotional strength around multiple health components all at once. So we want to start out small. And a good way to do that is just by eyeballing your plate. You don't have to weigh your food. You just eyeball your plate. And actually, let me back up. You want to start off with a smaller plate. So instead of eating off of the big dinner plate that's 10 inches, eat off of the seven inch bread plate, that little smaller plate that you usually have to the side that you put salad or bread on. Start eating your meals on that. That's a good way to control portions right off the bat. Because oftentimes, we heard it when we were little, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. A lot of times we're putting more food on our plates than we actually need to consume. So if you start off by just using a smaller plate to begin, that's an easy 
trick that'll keep you paying attention to what you're loading on your plate. And honestly, that's how I started. I started eating off of a bread plate and then dividing my macros roughly into thirds on the plate. So basically you're looking at your plate and one third is protein, one third is you know starchy carbs, and the majority of your plate you wanna have is veggies. And usually over the course of time, over the course of the week, you wanna have a variety of colors of those veggies because each one of those colors does something a little bit different for your body. And we're not gonna get into that now, but just know if you're eating the colors of the rainbow, you're doing really, really well. So we wanna start with that. Portion sizes, smaller plate, third of your macros on your plate with your veggies taking up most of the plate in a variety of colors. That one little tweak changes only your portion size and gets you paying attention to how you're stacking your plate during meals. And, you know, just to be conscious of it, just to be thinking about what you have on your plate when it's in front of you and you're looking at it. And when you are, what does it look like? Is it heavy on the vegetables? Is it heavy on starchy foods like rice and pasta and breads, things like that? Is it heavy on the meat? You know me, my thing was I was heavy on meat. So you want to look, you know, what are you what are you putting on your plate? And, you know, when we're talking meat, it could be anything. It could be your fish. You know, some people you think, you know, I don't want to eat beef. So you're eating bison. Some people are saying I don't want to eat meat at all. And you want to have some plant based protein. But no matter what it is that you have on your plate, you want to make sure that a third of that plate is made up of protein sources. And if you're not getting that, you're probably not getting enough protein in your diet, which is probably sabotaging your exercise plan, your workout plan, and your strength gaining plan, especially if you're dealing with pain or you just recovered from injuries and trying to get back up to 100%. You know, you've been released from the doctor, but you're in that little area where you're not quite there yet. You want to make sure that you're fueling your body with enough protein to build that muscle, to get you strong, to keep your muscles working well, and to support your joints. So make sure that 30% of your plate has meat on it or protein, 30% has carbs, and roughly 30% or more, actually probably more, of your plate should be taken up um, by veggies. And if your plate's looking like that, great. So now a lot of people are probably thinking veggies are carbohydrates and, and we've become really hyper carb sensitive in the country. We're thinking about carbs are bad, don't eat carbs, scale back your carbs. But the truth is, is that we need our, we need veggies. Veggies as carbs are a better source of carbohydrates than, you know, your starchy carbs like potatoes and rice because they tend to be high glycemic and they tend to spike your insulin. Not only that, we tend to eat a lot of these carbs. They're great for fueling high intensity activity. And then we don't do anything. We tend to be sedentary. So we're eating all these starchy carbohydrates, having a sugar spike, and then we don't do any activity. So the combination of those things is kind of wreaking havoc in the body. So keep that in mind when you're looking at your plate. You might have a lot of carbs on it, but what kind of carbs do you have? So think about that. And notice, Notice I did not mention fat. Our macronutrients are carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And I, I talked about 30% of carbohydrates in two places, which is actually kind of 60% if you're doing your math. But the truth is your fats are gonna come through in the foods that you're eating, in the food preparation. The fat's gonna get in there and we're gonna, we're gonna get our fat. So you don't need to make sure you have fat on your plate. But what you do wanna do is make sure that the fats you're eating are fats that your body likes rather than the ones that run amok and cause all kinds of issues when they get inside your body. So 
most of us, right, we've been doing this a while, you've been doing this a while, and you already know a lot of what I'm saying here. But it's a good reminder because when we get into our busy, hectic lives and we're starting to just grab things, we're really not paying attention anymore to what we're putting in our mouth. And we want to make sure that we're paying attention to it. And when we're looking at our fats, we want to make sure that we're getting them from good sources. We want to get make sure that we're cooking with our oils from good sources. If we happen to be eating out, we want to make sure that we're not eating out at places that we know cook their foods in poor oil choices or that have a lot of poor type of fats um, involved in the food. So we know to stay away from margarines already when we're cooking and we're eating. And we know that we need to stay away from vegetable oil. And you can eat butter if you would like, but just try to opt for a better butter, a clarified butter, or just a high quality butter. In other words, when you pick it up and you look at the ingredients, it has like two or three. It says milk, cream, butter, buttermilk, something like that, maybe some salt. It should have like three ingredients at best. Mostly it should just say butter, but it might have two or three ingredients. But if you look at it and it's got five or six, seven, 10 ingredients in what you have in your hand that you're calling butter, put it down. Put it back on the shelf because that's really not going to be helpful for the, your purposes. It's not going to be heading you towards your goal. It's going to be very unhelpful for you. So, and that's the same for the oils. So there should be as few ingredients on the package as possible. It should usually say like one. It should say like olive oil on the back of your oil. And olive oil is a better oil that we can in consume. It's an oil that we that tastes good and that our bodies tend to love as well. Our body loves it. The food loves us back. It tastes good on our palate. And there's some better oils in addition to olive oil. We've got grapeseed, coconut, and avocado oils as well. And they're better for your heart health. Whole avocados are also a great addition to dishes like salads and such, you know, to aid in satiety or, you know, or feeling full, that feeling of satiation. But macro and calorie counting and portion size is only one way, it's one way to look at the food consumption issue. And sometimes it can be a focal point. We get really caught up counting macros and counting calories and all of that. And again, it's good information if you're starting out and you're trying to get a handle on stuff. It's good information if you're trying to work on a specific thing, you're at an a, you're at an, a level already where you're trying to build muscle, you're trying to reduce your fat, you're really trying to change your body composition in a way that it entails you looking at your macros a little differently. But for most of us that are here right now, we're talking about getting started. And the real issue that we want to look at is making sure we have things under control and that we're looking at another thing, to eat whole foods as much as possible. Those are foods that have one ingredient, like apple or fish. The reason I bring that up is that the issue with conventionally produced foods and animal products is that the industry has begun genetically modifying everything, including fish. In case you didn't know that, there's genetically modified fish and meat um, and protein sources and produce sources all over in our food choices. And genetic modification alters our food at the molecular level, which is much different than the kind of modifications that we used to see that occurred pre-1990, where they were just hybridizing things, but they weren't doing things at a molecular level, which we're starting to see now. And we're beginning to see that there's evidence that our bodies don't like these modifications, these new modifications. 
Studies have shown that although when the food is studied side by side, genetically modified food and conventional food products and foods that are naturally occurring, when you put those two foods side by side, there's not a lot of difference that they see. They can, they can break it all down and they look almost identical. However, the body knows. The body knows when we eat it. Science has shown there's a difference in inflammation, cholesterol, types of cholesterol, the type of fat that's absorbed, and a host of other things that happens in our body once the food is ingested so that there's a difference in the body of a person who ingests conventionally manufactured and GMO food, whether it's produce or animal products, and in the body of the person who didn't ingest genetically modified food. Now, whether those differences cause noticeable and problematic issues is dependent on the person. So that means if inflammation is higher, whether or not that inflammation causes noticeable joint pain or gut issues along with it will depend upon the person. And what they've seen in these scientific studies is that there is a change. And so if you are experiencing noticeable gut issues and joint pain, some of that might be about the fact that you are sensitive to what you're ingesting in these genetically modified foods. The point that I'm trying to make here is maybe what we want to start looking at is adjusting to consume foods that are as close to how they occur in nature. Now, you don't have to cut out the food you love. Maybe you just have to eat it in the way that nature intended. And that food that maybe hasn't been loving you back might start loving you back. This was my path. This is what I did and what happened with me around 2013. And after I started to make a change to stuff that I realized was less modified and that was more close to what was naturally occurring in nature. The food tastes better. I ate less of it. I rarely had true cravings. I instantly lost some weight, like 10 pounds, bloat disappeared, my skin got clearer and softer, and a host of a lot of other physiological changes occurred. But for decades, we ate that stuff. And the manufacturers didn't have to disclose what they're doing. Often, when we pay more for better quality food, we're going to eat less of it because the manipulations aren't occurring in that food. And our brain is satisfied with less. And we actually get more nutrients in our body. And you don't have all these other wackadoodle things going on in your body because you're not eating all of this other stuff that humans, that the food industry has started to include into our food. What's attainable and sustainable is starting with small changes that you can build upon over time. The same way you stack progressive overload to make strength gains, you, you can stack progressive consumption goals to make sustainable dietary change. So what does that look like? Well, for starters, after you've done the portion sizes, you know, and, and put, put your stuff on a small plate and divided those macros up, start eating better versions of the food you love. So rather than cutting out whole food groups or items that you absolutely love, rather than cutting them out of your diet cold turkey, start by eating a better quality version of the food. Eat a better quality version of that. Make the small change because we're talking starts here. We're talking starting small and building over time because when we start small like that and choose better quality of the same foods, a couple of things start to happen kind of like magic. You're actually more satiated with less of the food in question and many times it tastes better. 
it actually tastes better. Now, it may not have the taste that you've come accustomed to, but generally the taste profile is better. And interestingly enough, your body's going to crave less of it because it tastes good. It's giving better nutritional value. It also gives you an opportunity to start creating new positive experiences associated with eating that particular food, which is something that can be built on over time and end in creating a healthier habit. Another benefit is since the better quality food has less chemicals and ingredients that will willy-nilly run amok wreaking havoc on the body, we will often experience less inflammation and thus, for those of us with chronic pain like me, less pain, which translates into feeling better and more energetic. We can gain all of these benefits and you don't have to actually give up the food you like. You're just eating a better version of it and usually less of it. This is a way that you can start eating the foods that you like and they'll like you back. We're talking about starting out when we're trying to make small changes that we can keep up consistently and that we can build upon so that eventually maybe you're really not eating that food that you feel that you have that has a hold on you you want to start small to start gently transitioning it out of your dietary choices so some of you might be saying to yourself well that all sounds great and well and good but i can't afford it i noticed that when i went to the higher quality meat my body didn't crave it as much. I didn't eat as much of it. And actually at the end of the day, it came out costing me almost the same and sometimes even less over time. So look at your go-to food choices and identify one thing that you can change about how you're eating right now. Just one. Pick one for the first week. One thing that you can change about your eating. I challenge you to do this. It could be a better quality in one food item. Uh, start out small and just think about that one thing. Just cut it back a little bit for a couple of weeks. Over time, slowly, easily easing that particular food choice out of your refrigerator, <laughs> out of your food cupboard. You're gonna be surprised how big a difference these little changes can make over a relatively short amount of time, particularly in reducing inflammation in the body, in reducing joint pain, and improving digestive function, and in and improving energy levels. So as you're beginning your program, restarting to get your fitness program back on track, tackling it this way can help you keep your way and keep your way of living fairly intact. So you're not gonna make changes that for you are gonna be so overwhelming that you stop after a week or two because they're too hard to keep up. Or for some of you, it might be a month or two. The point is you wanna start making sure that you're eating in a way and you're consuming foods in a way that your body actually enjoys. When you enjoy eating the foods you love, those foods love your back and your body enjoys the feeling. You wanna get to that place. So. Cut yourself some slack, be slow in your changes, be small in your changes, because small is big and slow is fast. I, I, I promise you. 
I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and tuning in to another episode of Redefining Fitness with Sass Factor Fitness, a space where you can reconnect with yourself, restore your inner athlete, and fulfill your fitness potential after injury, illness, or other life events had other plans. And if this episode resonated with you, please comment, review, and subscribe. I appreciate any and all of your feedback. And until next time, this is Sin with Sass Factor Fitness, reminding you to mind your matters.